2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show.
3: Got a great show planned for you. Going to open the show just talking a little bit about what's going on with monkeypox. I want to really advocate for those that meet the criteria to definitely go get vaccinated. I think it's very important. Uh, I want to just spend a couple minutes talking about what the... um, Local health organizations are kind of saying in terms of uh, activity risk, and I think this is important, you know, we're always trying to normalize sexual health and wellness, the transparency of possibility of transmitting something to someone and disclosing whatever someone might come in contact with as a sexual or romantic partner. You know, it's part of sexual health and wellness is asking questions and feeling safe, answering questions honestly. And I'm always trying to help us reduce the stigma by talking about these topics. I say this always lovingly, but if you're not ready or confident enough to ask questions, you're probably not ready or confident enough to have sex or come in certain kinds of intimate contact with others. We have to practice these conversations. And the way we do that is by getting more familiar hearing the discussions being had. So um, again, the information is always getting updated, and we can only report, you know, based on where we are. But again, I'm recommending people that meet the criteria to please go get vaccinated. And right now, they're really talking about those that are you know have had STDs or stis in the past couple of weeks, uh, maybe have come in contact with or attended some kind of sex party or event that included sexuality and eroticism. Um, but again, let's talk about uh, risk transmission so the most risky in terms of again the monkeypox transmission would be direct contact with someone who has rashes scabs or body fluids also sexual or intimate contact and uh, of course we're making note that condoms do not protect against monkeypox transmission because again condoms only protect fluid transmission right that whole area because it's about skin-to-skin contact for the transmission of monkeypox so that's most risky uh, going down to lower risk would be kissing, cuddling, or dancing at a crowded party inside with non fully clothed people. Yes. We have to talk about things like that. Cause that occurs. That is part of some people's social world. Now we're moving down from most risky to more risky, and now we're at possible. Possible rate of transmission is from sharing drinks, sharing a bed, towels, or personal toiletry items, or dancing at a crowded bar inside with fully clothed people. So that is a possibility of transmission because it's through contact. Um, And then under the more unlikely, but still possible, but the lowest level of risk, unlikely, is dancing outside uh, coworker to coworker transmission, client, trying on clothing at a store, touching doorknobs, swimming in a pool, uh, public, public restroom use, things like that. That's a lower risk. Um, nothing is without total risk. Remember, just touching a doorknob or holding a baby, you might get a virus or a bacteria, uh, the common cold, the flu. You know, it's always about safer you know, harm reduction? How can we best protect ourselves? How can we most protect ourselves? So I'm recommending everyone get vaccinated. I myself will also be because I go to the gym and I go to a lot of other areas that include a lot of uh, surface contact with individuals that participate in some of those high-risk activities. So again, it's not necessarily about your high-risk activities, it's about the contact you're coming in with others who are engaging in those high-risk activities. So we're going to keep talking about it based on, you know, important changes that occur, but, um, I want to kind of get that conversation going so uh vaccinations are getting more distributed and more widely available different links are getting kind of passed around so talk to your friends i you know i'm having this conversation with patients in my private practice i'm talking to friends about it and it's kind of interesting to see how knowledgeable people are and also are not about it you know what i mean um so Yeah, I know. And again, as always, I want us to think about others that are being put at risk based on our own decisions. And I am advocating for a lot of people to take a break from sexuality right now, which is hard for some people to hear, but I think the risk is too high. We can engage in solo sexuality, we can engage in monogamous partnered sexuality, but we wanna be very thoughtful. Everyone gets to decide the level of risk they are comfortable and willing to take, but we do wanna think about what risk we might be putting others around us at. So. There it is, armed you with the information and you all get to kind of decide what you wanna do with that. Um, what else? Well, we got the DMs open, y'all, you know how that goes. So if you got a question for us, we're here for all your questions. No question too big, no question too small. As you ask them, you're helping yourself out, but you're also helping other people kind of get their, their needs met. So those DMs come from our Loveline IG page. You can also put in there topics you want us to hit. Love helping people get their questions answered and also topics. Um, kind of covered. So put those in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Tonight we're going to talk about, I think this is really interesting um, because as I work with individuals that are in relationships, wanting to get into relationships, we talk a lot about the different things that can be changed and can't be changed. Um, you know, some things that are a struggle between partners or even within ourselves, some things are completely able to be eliminated. Other things we can only improve and some things will never change. And we always wanna be thoughtful about making those distinctions because we can sometimes get in our own way. And part of being a good you know, human being in the world, but also within the various relationships we have, is really understanding those distinctions. So we're gonna come back and talk a little bit about that. And then, like I said, later we'll be doing some DMs um, but if you want to check out past episodes of the show, you can do so by heading over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share because it's all about that repetition. That's why I circle back through topics, hitting it through different entry points. But anyway, stick around. We'll be back. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, we are talking about all the things that we can change within relationships. It's important to understand that because um, I say this all the time. We're not going for perfect. And a lot of people will be like, I know, I know, I know. But, and I'm like, but, but what, but here we go. <laughs> You're going to talk about something that's frustrating that isn't truly a deal breaker, but you just refuse to allow or deal with, because again, perfect doesn't exist. And I watch relationships not get Off the ground or i watch relationships and marriages end because we truly truly aren't able to embody good enough and that's a beautiful concept and i know for some of us we're like "Ugh, what a horrible word good enough but honestly that's the expectation is you have to find something workable good enough um and before we get into what are some of these things that feel very overwhelming that actually are challenges we can and should be overcoming within our relational lives um I want to remind everyone that we're human and that's going to mean that we're going to have things that we need to work on and what you ideally are looking for, you know, along with chemistry and compatibility is someone who's workable. I want to use that word more. So here I am like Dr. Chris, note to self, talk more about workability or at least use that as a, uh, a lens. Uh, what that means is someone who's willing to do the work. What that means is someone who's willing to improve themselves. What workable means is finding a partner or being in a relationship where you can say, Hey, something you said was hurtful to me. Can we not talk like that to each other anymore? Or, Hey, um, can we work on spending more time together? Can we work on being kinder to each other? Can we work on improving our sex lives? Whatever it is, you want to be with a partner and in a relationship where there's always room for that. We want to get away from being the kind of partner that says, you know who I was, you know how I was, you know what my work schedule was. Those aren't real things. Those are all workable, flexible things that should be changed and updated as as needed. Relationships have to come first. And your personality style is something that you reinforce based on how you're acting. and And yes, it can be changed. And often it should be and if you're in a relationship with someone of any kind you do want to care if they're important enough to you you want to care about how you're impacting them and you want to be willing to make some necessary changes so again we're looking for people that are workable to have in our lives i i very much love the friendships i've built in my adult life because i've i have friendships with workable people, I have workable friendships where they can call me and say, hey, Chris, you know, when we hung out the other day, you said something that kind of hurt my feelings and it's been in my mind, can we talk about it? I try to have romantic relationships that are workable where a partner can say to me, hey, I don't think you're prioritizing me enough or I think you're working too much. And I'll say, your needs matter. And and I'll work on that, I hear you. So being with someone who's workable, being in a workable relationship is probably best defined that way. By being with someone who thinks your needs matter. By being with someone who takes your needs into account, by being with someone who prioritizes your needs, they center it, they prioritize it, they care about it. They don't only, they don't only think about themselves. And then that goes back to this other framework that I think is a component of that, which is when we're in a primary relationship, especially, but also in best friendships and and other very, very, very important relationships, we think in terms of us and we, we don't just think about me. We say, how might this decision, how might my behavior, how might the way I'm living impact my primary partner? Because we're in it together, we impact each other. And we also consider maybe that with our close friends as well. Maybe not so much, but that's usually the expectation within a primary partnership is that us and we and no longer the me and I. If you're thinking in terms of me and I, where I'm only worrying about myself and I'm only caring about how things impact me, you're not going to create what we call a securely attached relationship. And you're also thinking in terms of something casual and that's okay, but own it. Let your partner know. I want something casual. I will not be considering you in my decision making. You will, your needs will not be important to me. Own it. That's how you make that healthy. It's unhealthy and pathological and quite emotionally abusive when you act as though, and you present as though you want something primary, but then you secretly aren't ever going to take their needs into account. And then you also aren't within a workable relationship. We need that flexibility. And the, you know, the way there's like an acronym and I'm not going to use the entire acronym because the entire acronym is not <laughs> applicable to what I'm saying, but it's an acronym we use within the field of neuropsychology to talk about what a, what are the characteristics of a healthy brain. Not surprisingly, they're really the healthy characteristics of any system, a um, any system, a relational system, a social system, a political system, an ideological system, A corporate system. And it is that it's flexible and it's adaptive, which basically means it's always changing based on the needs of the people within it. Unhealthy corporations and businesses never change. They never adapt. They don't accommodate the needs of the people involved. And that's the same thing with relationships. Healthy brains are flexible and adaptable. Healthy relationships are flexible and adaptable because we're always growing and changing. And so are the things that we need. And our relationship has to keep up with us. We shouldn't be keeping up with it, just like institutions have to change and update rules and laws have to change and update based on the changing needs of culture and people. We shouldn't be held accountable to things that were set in place in the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, or even centuries before, because the needs were different then and healthy systems like laws, rules, institutions of all kinds are always flexible and adaptable to what's happening and what's needed now. It's a very long winded way of saying workability look for that in the relationships especially the most important meaningful ones in your life and that's that's the kind of individual that we should be committing to that should be the bare minimum expectation that we have for anyone in our life or anything that we're a part of church the job you have you know policies and rules need to update and change we're always doing that you know, nothing, is without that. And that's why tradition has to change. All right, we're gonna talk more about this, things that are changeable, that tend to scare people, that they think aren't, because we're going for good enough and we're looking for workability. Always about that repetition. <laughs> Got to build these lessons in because you don't get them anywhere else. So we'll talk about that and we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, a question or a topic, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be answering those later in the show. And then we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We're back and we're talking about changeability, flexibility, workability. Here, all of these terms, they imply movement. They imply They imply... Um, softness, a lightness, a bendability. It's kind of like the weather. Nature very much embodies and reflects back to us what are the healthy ways of being. You know, during a really powerful storm and I'm from the East Coast and uh, living on the coast, you really get to see what happens with weather. We don't really get that out here. I'm in California. We get the heat and the sun. It's kind of all you get. East Coast, we got hurricanes. We got strong winds, strong rains. We got snow. And the parts of nature that survive are the ones that are flexible and bendable and adaptable. They update, they do what's needed, they go with the flow, they're not rigid. Rigidity is not healthy. Not biologically, not neurologically, not relationally, not even environmentally or ecologically. Everything's always changing. And that's kind of what the topic is about tonight, workability, meaning being in relationships, but also more importantly, being a partner that is willing to constantly adapt to what's needed and what's necessary as we grow, as we change. It's also part of healthy sex. You know, the needs and the abilities that we have in our early years are very much, as someone who's getting up there can tell you, our needs and our abilities change and we have to update and adapt to that based on our sexual expectations on our bodies. As we get older, um, our erectile abil- our erectile abilities are going to shift. That is not an erectile dysfunction when you are not able to perform in the ways that you used to or the ways that you see in pornography. A healthy penis and a healthy body lose their functioning. It is not as robust. That is not a problem. The problem is when we rigidly hold on to one idea or definition as to how our bodies or our penis should function. We need to be adaptable and flexible and say, it's not always going to work the way I want it to, but that's okay because I'm being adaptive in my definition and understanding of how I can be erotic or sexual with someone. And there's a multitude of ways to do that. I'm not going to hold it onto one idea, one definition only as being right, correct, or what I'm seeking. We want to find partners. We want to be part of systems that are like that. I personally don't want to be a part of any system or institution of any kind that isn't constantly looking at themselves and making changes as needed. Policies need to update and change, rules need to update and change. And within relationships, we want to find partners that are open to that as well based on our changing needs. Now, before I get into what are some of the things that tend to scare people within relationships that are completely workable if you're with a healthy partner. And again, workability means you're with a partner who thinks your needs matter and wants to hear what your needs are and they want to change themselves based on that it is okay to be asked to make some changes we're not trying to change people but we are asking for some behavioral changes how you speak to them the time you spend with them how much you prioritize them those things are acceptable we are not being rigid which is unhealthy saying that's just how it is that's just who I am it that isn't honest or even true all healthy systems are flexible and adaptive and update based on where we currently are and what's needed Um, Now, before I get into, like I said, those characteristics that we often are afraid of, but we shouldn't be, just remember that there's a difference between deal breakers and red flags, because that's that's a framework. I make that assumption, so I just want to quickly remind you all, red flags are things that we're going to keep an eye on that we need to kind of track, that maybe we're gonna bring up and see how workable the person is and say, hey, it doesn't feel good to me when you, or hey, I don't like it when you, or hey, could we start to? That's how you kind of work with those red flags. You're like, "Mm, I noticed that thing. I'm gonna keep an eye on it and see if it changes. Deal breakers are the things that are immediate stops because we realize that they're not just a red flag, they're just a deal breaker. And all of that also means we are accounting for disappointments and frustrations which are not deal breakers. Every relationship, because we're using the good enough model because no one's perfect and no relationship is perfect. And that inherently means we have to accept some things that are frustrating and disappointing. Otherwise we are seeking perfect. Disappointments and frustrations are a part of life. There's no perfect, no perfect job, no perfect relationship, no perfect body and no perfect person. The beauty of diversity and creativity is what we're going for. So, Having said all of that, understanding that disappointments and frustrations are appropriate and cool and fine, understand that red flags are things we track and see where they go. We're going to talk about some of the things that a lot of people get scared of if they're present in their relationship that they don't need to be. But as always, the caveat is if you're in an emotionally or verbally or physically abusive relationship, this work is not for you. The work is on getting out of that relationship. This is also an assumption that you're with someone who wants to be in a committed relationship with you. If someone wants something casual, that's something totally different. And I always say at least own and acknowledge that. Let people know what's possible. Don't present as though you want something serious and committed and primary. If you don't, own it. It's okay to want to date casually for as long as you want to. Just acknowledge that so that people can make their own decisions. That's part of informed consent. We can't consent to something if we don't know what it is that you're planning. consent means I'm aware of what's going to happen. I'm aware of what's possible. I'm aware of what the boundaries are. I can't consent to eating something. If I don't know what's on the plate, I can't consent to sex. If I'm not a hundred percent aware of what it is, you're going to want to do with me. So we want to always put that in place. Um, Okay, so we're gonna do some DMs and then we're gonna come back and talk about some of these top things that scare people that should that you know are workable. Um, so if you got a DM for us, that's a question you have for us. Put them in the DMs on our Lovelina G page. You can also put in there topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into, it all goes in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show. Check them all out over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re listen, and share. But stick around. We'll be back uh, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
3: This one says, Hey, Dr. Chris. So I've been dating this girl for over a year, basically the entire pandemic. We took a getaway, but when we got there, we met up with two of her friends. During the night, it was revealed that she used to date one of the others on our trip a few years ago, a few years ago, excuse me, but now everyone's friends. It felt bad to ruin my night. My partner doesn't understand why it's a bad deal, why it's a big deal, and why it still upsets me. How can I make them understand Um, by just expressing your feelings? Let's not catastrophize it, though. I believe that everyone should be friends with individuals that they might have dated at some time. Just because romance or sexuality isn't compatible anymore, the chemistry isn't there, does not mean we need to remove people from our lives. That is a toxic form of possession, jealousy, anxiety, and monogamy. And your current partner doesn't need to kick out friends that have been in their life for a period of time now that you're in it. You don't get to enter someone's life and ask them to remove people. These people have been there before you and they might be there after you. Friendship is a more stable configuration than dating. And so it's never fair or appropriate to say, oh, you dated that person who's now your friend. You gotta get rid of them. doesn't work like that. In fact, that'd be a red flag for them about you. Um, If you trust your partner and I only want us to date people we trust, then there's absolutely nothing wrong. If you don't trust your partner, dump them and find someone you do trust, but your jealousy isn't appropriate, but it's okay to have the feelings you have. It's okay to say, I know that this jealousy is misplaced and I'm thinking from a place of possession and toxic monogamy, but you know, I want to kind of express it and just express it. They don't need to understand it because when a lot of, when people sometimes say, why don't they understand my feelings? Sometimes it means why aren't they doing something about it? Or why aren't they doing whatever I think they need to do to make this trigger be removed? That's not the work. You've already expressed, hey, it made me uncomfortable to not know about that and to have found out, and your partner said, cool, I get it, I'm sorry to hear that, and then we move on. You have to work on letting it go. There's nothing they need to do. So how do you make them understand? By telling them. And they might not agree. They don't need to agree. Remember, sharing and expressing emotion isn't about someone agreeing or doing what we want them to do. It's about us being known and us getting more connected. And you can say to them, hey, in the future, give me a heads up if anyone you're friends with is someone you might have dated. But I actually think that that's not necessary and it shouldn't matter. Because what's the distinction? What would you do with that information? Tell them to kick them out of their life, not appropriate. Not go because you don't wanna be around them, toughen up and grow up, that's part of life. Um, we can't expect our partners to remove people from their life to make us comfortable. We don't need to always be comfortable. Triggers show us where our work is. So you're being shown where your work is, to trust your partner, to support them and having the friends in their life that makes sense to them. This isn't about you, but your feelings are valid. You've expressed them and there's nothing that needs to be done about that. So I don't really know what you mean by making them understand that usually again implies I want them to do something different and that's not fair. And this is where I bring up terms like toxic monogamy, which is this idea that we should make people feel bad for having had a relational or sexual life before we entered the picture. That's bizarre. People shouldn't stay single or celibate for the because of the anticipation of you problematically entering their life at some point and trying to control them to your level of comfort. You have some growing up to do. And a lot of people hearing this are probably able to relate to your feelings. But again, your partner shouldn't be removing people that are appropriate and bounded within their life that they enjoy having in their life because you're uncomfortable. That's not how it works and that's a red flag. And if I was working with your partner, I'd say, let's keep an eye on that because that's, that's controlling behavior and that can actually become a form of emotional abuse. So you've expressed your feelings, hopefully your partner heard you, and if your partner was disregarding of them, just say, hey, I just wanted to recircle back to that conversation and ask if you could just hold a little more space, even though I'm asking you to do nothing different, because I would never expect your life to shrink down around my low level of functioning. You know what I mean? So use this as a time to grow a little bit. Remember, just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean something bad or wrong happened, and it's not your partner's job to do things to make you comfortable all the time. In fact, it's okay to make people uncomfortable sometimes if we're living without our value system and our integrity. So I support your partner's feelings. I support you expressing and feeling yours, but nothing needs to be done about it. And you get to decide how that weekend goes. And I would say, learn to be a part of. These friends aren't going anywhere and don't need to. And you need to learn how to accept that. If you don't wanna be around them again, that's your call, but you'll miss out on weekends away. So I, I would work through that and figure that out. If you got questions for us, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Help someone else out as we're helping you out. Always anonymous, always confidential. And past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down the for love line and click on it. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Y'all, stick around. All right, y'all, we're back. We're talking about things that scare people off, that they think is a deal breaker, that they think is impossible, but actually is workable, dealable. Because we're all committing to flexibility and adaptability in our lives. We're all committing to workability in our relationships, being open to hearing the needs of others. And um, we have to remember that a lot of times, relationships are feedback loops, where sometimes the problem is reinforced by how we're being, and we are part of keeping that system alive. And what's awesome about all systems is if one variable changes, the entire system is forced to change. So if you don't like some element of your relationship, If you start showing up better, kinder, softer, more mature, inherently your partner has to change because now they're dealing with a less aggressive, toxic, or intense partner. All of a sudden, the whole system changes. So that's why I'm always saying on the show, before we point the finger and problematize our partners or what they're doing, we have to first look at ourselves. Because as I said, outside of a relationship that's abusive, verbally, emotionally, or physically we're assuming that both parties want to be there. And as always, I'm, I'm always pointing out that your mental health impacts the mental health of the people you're socializing and connected to. We impact each other. It's a feedback loop. So that's the first just entry point I want to point out. Now, again, if I'm working with an individual and there's a relational issue, I'm like, all right, we got to bring the partner in. Um, let's just get, let's get together and figure this out. But if for whatever reason, that partner is not willing to come in, first thing we do talk about is how workable is this partner. If they're not willing to come in a couples therapy or they're not willing to sit down and talk about changes that are needing to be made, well, then I'm pretty confident they're not willing or going to change. We don't just change on our own. It's not true that, you know, things, things heal with time. No, it depends what you do at that time. Things also stay the same through time. We can think of tons of individuals that over the course of decades don't change. So change is always happening, but not necessarily in the important ways we have to work on that behavior change, personality change, relational stuff only changes with intention. That's why I'm always saying on the show, if you don't know what you're working on, you're not working on anything. It's not okay to say, oh, I'm working on being a better partner, cool. What exactly is it that you think you need to do differently? And if you don't have an answer for that, then you aren't working on that. So what am I saying? I'm saying that we wanna be with people, again, that are open to that, but more importantly, luckily, if your partner isn't willing or ready at this time, but in general is workable, if you work on being better that inherently improves the system and what they are responding to and engaging to engaging with so that's helpful so the first thing that sometimes scares people and overwhelms them but we have a we, there's a lot we can do with this is when people talk about their relationship needing to improve intimacy right? That big I word, that word is slung around, often misunderstood, weaponized. (laughs) There's no right level of intimacy. So we can't use words like you have an intimacy disorder. Really? What level of intimacy should they be applying? And where did you get that number from? You know, it's all about what you think you need and what you think the relationship needs. If you would ideally want more intimacy, well, then that's meaningful enough to me to support you in trying to create that hear the word i just said i didn't say go home and shame your partner and say you have an intimacy issue i didn't say go home and yell at your partner and say give me more intimacy i said that is good enough reason for you to work on improving intimacy we don't want to take a passive role as though we're victimized by something that's lacking from our relationship we have to be the person that starts creating it building more of it and initiating it parallel example Like I always say, if you want more socialization, start planning things. If you want more romance in your marriage, start being more romantic. It's not about the man doing it. It's about you doing it because that's what you want. Create what you want to receive. You wish you were invited to game nights, throw one. You wish you were invited to more dinner parties, throw one. I say that all the time on the show. Be the change you want to see. I love that quote. So if you want more intimacy because you think your partner doesn't honor it, doesn't bring enough of it, can't tolerate enough of it, start bringing more of it in so they learn how to tolerate it. Bring more of it in so they start to prioritize it and seek it and value it. Bring it in. You start working on being more transparent. You start working on being more vulnerable. Don't point the finger and don't ask for it. Just do it. You don't need permission to start being more intimate. And I don't mean that in the physical sense. That's a whole separate thing. I'm talking just in general. Don't don't settle anymore for your conversation sounding like this. Hey, honey, how was your day? Good. Okay, good. No, you are part of the problem. You are part of the system of keeping that level of intimacy in play. Say to them, good to hear. Tell me what was good about your day. Bam, all of a sudden, you just brought more intimacy into your relationship with your family member, your friend, your colleague, your boss, your pet walker, whatever the heck we're talking about you start to create what you want to see because that's what happens. A lot of partners feel stuck. Oh, my partner isn't intimate. Oh, my partner isn't romantic. And I'm like, well, what have you done recently? That was intimacy building. What have you done recently? That was romantic. Bring it in. Start sharing more of yourself. Tell them how your day was. Even if they're not ready to start unpacking their day more, Say to them, let me tell you what was great about my day today. Can we sit down? I want to share with you what I was working on, what I was excited about, what I what I felt great about, what made me sad today, what was really hard about today. That's how we start to increase intimacy. Don't ever accept this is just how it's always going to be. And don't ever accept because my partner doesn't see it as an issue or doesn't necessarily want more of it, that we're stuck. You be that change. All right, we're gonna talk more about this, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back all right y'all we're back and uh, no big deal just saving your marriages no big deal it's just what i do <laughs> uh i laugh at times because uh not that you know me and people in my life sit around talking about like you know who who is a who is a wider impact on the world but like you know you work in certain industries and and you just can't compete if you're like hey i'm an educator you know or i'm a therapist or whatever it is i think all jobs are meaningful and they're all part of the ecosystem but i often laugh because i get to say things like that like ah, no big deal just saving marriages just saving mental health but that's what we're doing tonight we're talking about the things that some people think are deal breakers and they're like peace out and it's like no there's a lot more changeability as long as you're with someone or with a relationship that's workable. Workable means we're open to understanding, supporting, and caring about other people's needs. The need, you know? And we're starting with ourselves first by saying like, am I open to critique? <laughs> am I open to requests being made? So we were talking about intimacy and how a lot of people will complain and say, my partner's not romantic. My partner doesn't like intimacy. Awesome. Stop being victimized by it and work on changing that system by normalizing it. How? By bringing it in, by you doing it. Work on being more romantic. Work on being more intimate. Talking right now about intimacy on an emotional, psychological level. Don't accept the level that's currently the norm in your relationship. Start to be more transparent and more vulnerable. Again, my my example was the couple that says, Hey, honey, how was your day? It was great. How was yours? Great. Okay. That was not intimacy. That was actually nothing. I didn't learn about anything. And that's the key to intimacy. It's about learning. It's about understanding, but you have to have the C word curiosity. Be curious about your partner. Be curious about your partner's day. Be curious about what your partner's thinking, feeling, dreaming about. We have to have that curiosity. Relationships die without curiosity about each other. So if what I'm talking about is something you are not interested in, don't want, then you have some resentment or anger or other things going on in your marriage, and you need to work on that first. But for those that are at a decent level of functioning, start creating what it is you want to see. As they always say, be the change you want to see. So if you want more vulnerability or intimacy, bring it. How was my day? I'm going to tell you. Like, Dr. Chris, you asked me how my day is. People that I care about, I tell them. I tell them what made me happy. I tell them what made me sad. I tell them what I want to celebrate. I tell them what I'm proud of. I tell them what I feel bad about. That's intimacy. I don't need to match them at their level. I have them match me at my level. I create the kind of depth that I want to be a part of. And it's a feedback loop because I have friends that have other friends that aren't very intimate. And so they meet them on that level. They don't ever drop that deep, but I do. And so they come back to me in the same way. And I helped normalize that by constantly bringing that in. So it doesn't have to always be the way that it is. If someone says, your partner or your best friend says, how was your day? Tell them. They say theirs was fine or good or nothing special. Ask a question. What did you do today that was hard? What did you do today that was easy? What did you do today that made you feel good? Or how would you rather have today gone? What are you hoping will be different tomorrow? Ask open-ended, meaningful questions that normalize and familiarize us with depth. The more you do it, the more familiar normal becomes, the more your relationship will start to adjust and become that. We live in a very intimate, phobic culture where we are used to staying very topical again. My favorite example that I used to death is the couple that is sitting not in comfortable silence, but uncomfortable silence. Cause they've already covered all the safe superficial questions and no one drops any deeper into, you know what I was thinking about today? You know what I noticed today? Those are the deeper, more vulnerable things, but they don't go there. And so how's your day? Good. Okay. How's your food? Good. And they just talk about businesses and weather. Mmm, this is a really good restaurant. Yeah, it is. Wow. It was really sunny out today. Sure was oh my God, there's no intimacy in there. There's no, no one is actually curious about the other in that kind of conversation. We don't we don't ever drop any deeper. Those are the things that horrify me. I'm someone who loves being known and knowing. And so I will always ask those deeper questions and people are hungry for it because that's how we feel known. That's actually also how we feel safe. We have fun with the fun, easy topics, but that doesn't build trust safety. It's when we realize that that person is a space or a place where we can drop into into more depth. That's what we need more of. We need to normalize that, especially for a parent. Please, dear God in heaven, do that with your children. Don't just say how was school and they say fine and they run off and you just give them a plate of cookies. Say to them, sit here for a minute. Look at them, hold their hands and say, tell me about your day. What was exciting today? What made you sad? What felt good? What are you proud of? Let's also normalize people sharing what they're proud of. That's not narcissism. It's quite the opposite. Narcissism is is actually born out of being a part of families where they don't talk about emotions. The ones that they talk a lot about them, it's actually the opposite. They get more relational. Bring it in. Sorry, that's my cell phone. Human moment. So don't ever accept the level of whatever it is. Work on normalizing and familiarizing with deeper, more important levels. Intimacy is such a flexible, workable thing. I'm thankful for that. But you have to be willing to. You have to be part of a relationship that, that, that you want to be a part of. And if not, then you have another issue. We're not covering all that. We're talking about the relationships that I actually value and want to be a part of. And that goes in with the whole thing about difficulty expressing needs. Because I, I'll tell you, I think one of the most violent things we can do in a relationship is have issues that we never bring to a person. It is unfair, unkind, and violent emotionally to have resentments or issues with your with your parent, with your friend, with your colleague, with your partner that you never bring to them so that they can be a part of the solution or change because maybe they are happy to hear about it. Maybe they would work on it. Give them that opportunity before you take that opportunity away and decide for them. Before you go complain about someone to your friend or whoever, go to that person and share it with them. Before you go gossip, which is not constructive and does not lead to solution, go tell the person. It's okay to go to a friend and process first and figure out how I really feel, what I'd really wanna communicate, but a good friend will say, great, now go tell the person. We have a filter and we do it with kindness. We don't tell it like it is. We don't just let it rip. We digest material first. We never start a conversation if we're dysregulated. We wait until we're at a zero or a one or a two. So we work it through. We script it. We journal it. We sit with it. We process it. But we always go to the person. It's called a one to one relationship. So instead of gossiping, sit down your friend and say, hey, can we talk? I'm not feeling great about our relationship, or I'm not feeling good about what happened a month ago, or I'm still thinking about what you said a few weeks ago. And out of care for you and deepening of intimacy, I wanted to bring it back up so you could have a chance to be a part of us resolving this. That's an act of care. I can't tell you how heartbreaking it's been to see and to have it done to me where people are upset or frustrated and they never tell you, and they just let that fester or they just distance themselves, or they cut you out. That is not being a healthy, caring person. All right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, a whole lot more to come. I'll also be doing those DMs, so stick around for that. We'll be back. alright you All we're back, and we're saving relationships. We're bringing more care, love, and intimacy. Oh, into those dynamics between us and other people, those that we care about, because we don't want to ever remove the option of someone improving something. And, and I see people do that. They drift, they cut them out. Uh, they, they gossip as, instead of coming to someone saying, hey, listen, let me share with you what I'm struggling with. Let me let you know what I wish was different. Letting that person have an opportunity to speak for themselves. And intimacy is one of the top ones where we reinforce it. Uh, but complain about it instead of being a part of changing it by being more intimate and vulnerable or don't share with the other person that that's what we'd love more of or we struggle with that and that keeps those systems intact. Um, And then we have to own that. We're a part of that. We are a very intimate phobic culture where we would rather gossip or stuff it or keep it to ourselves than lovingly, calmly, in a regulated way, sharing it. And that's always the caveat. We do not have conversations when we're dysregulated or amped up. We try to start as close to a zero as we can. If you're at a four or five or six or seven or above, you take a moment, you go for a walk, you take a few days, you journal, you process it with a friend, your therapist, but you come back when you're calm and relational and we share. because part of this is also tied to like authenticity. We want to be known. That's the, that's the cornerstone of relationships, not selling a dream, not, not sharing a performative false self. Uh, people pick up on that. That is how safety and trust are not built. Um, we need to bring people into the deeper parts of who we are. That's also how we help improve a lot of mood disorders. A lot of people are living in these uh, within these performative relationships where it's not safe to vocalize anything, to truly be known. I even bring that up with dating. People think the goal of a date is to be liked and to get that person. No, that leads to us misrepresenting ourselves and then we're stuck in something incompatible. A uh, dating is about being known and that often will lead to realizing we aren't a match, but we wanna know that, we need to know that. Be your true authentic self from the door. Please don't try to be liked, be yourself and find out whether or not you are a match. That is also how we present this, I'm sorry, prevent this we get into these intimate phobic relationships because we're afraid of showing our true selves because we never have the more we start practicing being our authentic true selves in all spaces in all places with all people the more we start to have confidence in that and the more we start to seek that from others as someone who does that work because everything i talk about on the show and in my books you better believe i am applying to my own life and it's been better for it that's why i can speak so confidently about it because i'm doing it it works And I move away from people that aren't, as I keep saying on the show, workable, meaning they're not open to change. Health in a relationship, like health in any institution, any job, any ideology, is adaptability and flexibility. Everything should be changing and updating. Be afraid of people, places, and things that aren't willing to change and adapt. Anything that's like, well, this is how we've been doing it since the 50s, uh, it's a new decade, (laughs) like it's decades later. Many things have changed in a lot of different ways, and we need to update i do not personally want to be a part of any system that thinks it's above or beyond that even the church is constantly updating 12 steps in AA needs to update itself mental health and neurology are always updating themselves i don't believe in anything any tool trick ideology that's like now we're good no things are changing needs are changing we have to update um so remember that relationships have to do that as well which is why i always advocate for couples sitting down every couple months, but at least every year and saying, how has this gone? How has this been? What needs to be done? I want bosses and corporations to do that. Sit down with their employees. How have we been doing? You give employees performance reviews. Employees should give bosses and jobs performance reviews. Here's where you're failing us as employees. Here's where you're failing us as a supervisor. We have to go both ways. Same thing with partnerships. Same thing, same thing with friendships. And again, children are among the more Uh, mistreated and um, discriminated against class among and parents need to say that hey what do you need from me as a parent say that to your teenagers like what do you need more of what do you need from me don't assume you're nailing it don't assume that your child's needs don't matter they do and as they get older you will be held accountable to that no one is above no one is above being requested to be accountable to how they're impacting people, no one and nothing, not the legal system, not our state um, appointed officials, not our elected officials, not celebrities, no one is above that, because no one's needs or feelings are more legitimate than anyone else's. I live in LA. Where we think certain people, because of their money, because of their beauty, because of their fame, are above all that. They're not. I tell them that even in my private practice, the celebrities I work with as patients, your needs are not more valid than anyone else's. You want an appointment, a different appointment slot, you're waiting in the same wait list as the people that aren't famous. No special treatment because no one's needs or mental health is more important or more meaningful than anyone else's. Not a state official, not a boss, not a cop. No one, and we all should be trying to figure out how we're impacting those around us and what kind of system we are a part of. Yes. And if you don't agree, you are a scary person for people to be in a relationship with of whatever kind, because you aren't being workable. You don't care about how you impact others and you don't care about other people's needs. It's called sociopathy and narcissism and it's toxic and it's violent. And we're working on being a better, better than that. And that's one of my core themes that you always hear in my show and my work, kindness, compassion, and relationality. We need more of that. All right, coming up next, we're gonna do some DMs. So if you've got a question for us you want answered, a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, put in the DMs on our Loveline page. DMs, so Loveline at G page, I mean. And we are channelq.com is we you want to go to check out past episodes. We'll be back, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey.
0: Selling a little or a lot?
3: All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
3: This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Tanya. Been with my boyfriend, Thomas, for three years. Recently got pregnant. Seems like everyone's so super excited about the baby, but Thomas doesn't seem to be. Thomas's family's already come over. They've helped decorate, given gifts, gotten clothing, but he just sits there. I told him if he didn't want this baby, he could leave. (laughs) But that I definitely want his amazing family to stay in the baby's life. He said he doesn't want to leave, but, oh, sorry, he doesn't want to leave, but I hate all of this bad energy. Can I make him leave? (laughs) My God, part of me thinks he might just be scared. He stays quiet. I don't know what to do. Yeah, you got to find out what that's about for him. It's not good relational functioning to just kick someone out because you don't like their response. Relationships are about deepening and learning and understanding. So instead of being angry and frustrated, which I appreciate, you know, we want people in our lives that celebrate what we're excited about, and uh, this is also his baby so you'd think he might be excited or he should have vocalized his lack of interest and then you could have considered abortion, adoption, other options but um cuz you have some pro-abortion uh not pro-choice pro-abortion cuz sometimes that's the best decision for people and everyone should have a right to decide what happens to their body and within their relationship and within their lives um, but you want to, you know, relationships are about curiosity, better understanding relationships are about intimacy building difficult scenarios like this are about learning about each other again, understanding your partner's perspective and more importantly bonding. Yes, bonding over difficult times. Hey, you say to Thomas, it seems like this is really hard for you. Tanya, I want you to soften Have care and concern for your partner. Just don't go just on immediately to to anger. Often anger isn't even the most honest response. Be sad, be disappointed, be frustrated. That's more honest. Anger is usually a secondary response that we go to. The primary response is usually the most honest and it's always the most vulnerable. Say to him, hey, I'm bummed out that you're not celebrating because anger is about violence or oppression or someone doing something wrong and his feelings aren't wrong. They're just not what you want. It's not what you prefer. We don't wanna make a judgment about it so lean in uh, bond over this express disappointment and frustration hey you don't seem to celebrate this I would love it if you could help me understand what this means for you help me understand why this is hard for you connect over it we don't kick people out of our lives because we're disappointed in how they're acting thinking or feeling You wouldn't want that done to you. So there's no right or wrong, really, ever. It's just about, and and often we don't even come to a, a complete resolve that we're both on the same page with. But be curious, be open, be soft, be disappointed. Give Thomas space to process what this means. Maybe there's excitement, but also fear and anxiety about how your lives will change, your relationship will change. Maybe there's anxiety about finances. Find out, turn turn towards each other and connect over this. Find out what dependency need this is related to. Babies and things like that that create a lot of shift in identity and commitment and finances, that has a lot of weight for a lot of people and you want Thomas to know that you're in this together. So don't let this be something that separates the two of you. That's what healthy, sustainable, robust relationships are about, bonding over and through difficult times. This is when you get to show your partner, and hopefully he gets to show you, that we stick together through difficult times. This is how trust is built. This is what commitment is dependent upon. When it gets tough, we stay together. When it gets tough, if every time it's difficult, you lean out, lean away, or threaten ending the relationship, then trust and commitment are eroded at instead of being strengthened. Um, again, congratulations. It sounds like this is exciting for you and everyone else, but you want to find out what it means for your partner. That's why when someone in my life says, Oh, we're having a baby. I don't say yay. I don't say nay. I say, tell me what it means for you. Cause I don't know if someone says we're getting divorced. I don't immediately say, I'm sorry to hear that. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a sign of health. I don't know. I always say, let me know what that means for you so I can meet you where you're at and celebrate or hold space for your grief and loss. We never know. And that's what I want you to do. You know, again, bond because of this. Stay soft and stay curious. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Got a question for us, something you want us to hit? Circle back, drop deeper into, let us know. Put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And then past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share. Because what? It's all about that repetition because it's about practice and repetition. That's the quality of our life and our mental health. But that's the show, y'all. As always, thanks for hanging out. Let me be a part of your journey. Enjoy the rest of your night. Be kind to yourselves and those around you, y'all. See you ya tomorrow night.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.